Welcome to Seers, Beers, Knowers, and Doers, a podcast about intuition. Do you know what that is? Intuition to me is that inner sense or knowing that something is true, and yet I have no proof. But there's so many definitions, and there's so many ways it can come. I'm looking to bring together and share with you some amazing guests who have some amazing life stories and also some insights into how intuition can come. And I'm looking to gather those crows in the trees. I hope you're one of them. I hope that this podcast inspires you to be more connected to your intuition. And I hope that by doing that, we make the world a better place. Thanks for coming on this journey with me. Before we get started today, I would love to share some tools with you to help with stress and feeling overwhelmed, especially for the energetically sensitive person. Feel free to go to my store on my website at www.healingvitality.ca. Thanks so much for coming on this journey with me. So I'm super excited today because I've just connected again through social media with another really cool person and how they viewed a particular aspect that gets greatly stereotyped in the horse world just struck me as so beautiful. So thank you so much, Lockie Phillips, for joining me today. I so appreciate your time. No problem, Heather. It's lovely to be here. And thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself? My name is Lockie Phillips, I am, or Lachlan Phillips. I am an Australian horse trainer and hoof care provider currently living in Andalusia in southern Spain. I've worked with horses for about five years full-time, and before that I was sort of having two jobs. I was working full-time as a professional classical ballet dancer in northeastern Europe uh, and working as an instructor and horse trainer by night and weekends. I'm coming into horses from an unusual location, unusual direction. I've lived in a whole bunch of countries all over the world and find myself wanting to settle in what will be, I hope, northwestern Spain. So, yeah, you're kind of tuning in to me at what is the end of what I hope is a chaotic and nomadic period of my life. Sort of the last 15 years have been really full on. And I'm just about to start throwing down some roots and cooking with gas with my business and my future. So it's a really exciting time uh, for me, uh, despite what's going on in the world. But yeah, I run what I call the emotional horsemanship, which is a horse training and handling protocol that prioritizes how horses feel before we prioritize what horses do. We prioritize feel, which is emotional awareness, emotional expression, and emotional health of the horse before we prioritize behavior and performance. The result is a horse that behaves better, but also feels better about those behaviors that they do. It's really focused on priority boarding for recreational horse owners, private recreational horse owners, because private recreational horse owners are in a unique position to be able to afford horses a level of consent and autonomy in their uh, in their work with people. Uh, they are able to bond and connect with a small handful of people rather than having to perform for people that they don't know. 
And a private horse owner can really facilitate an individual animal's unique characteristics and quirks and not have to make them fit molds that they're not supposed to fit anymore. So that's really what I'm focusing on. And then I have a hoof care aspect to my business as well, where I really focus on teaching, again, private horse owners how to take charge of their own hoof care, if not completely, but at least supplementing their local professional with a focus on uh, barefoot trimming. But I also employ a lot of booting, glue-on shoes, um, additional protection strategies and devices, etc. So that's really what I focus on at the moment. So I guess that's who I am right now, or at least what I do and where I've come from. Yeah. <laughs> And isn't it interesting because I do the exact same thing when we describe who we are, we describe our work. <laughs> yeah. And it's so much more than that. But when we love what we do, it's it becomes part of the essence, I think. So Absolutely. If you if you work a job you you love and you're chosen to do that job, you never work a day in your life. Mm. And you know, it's hard to say when my work stops and where I begin. But at the same time, just from a logical perspective, when I'm having a little chat with someone on a podcast, I'm not going to straight off divulge all the personal characteristics about who I am inside. Um, <laughs> let that sort of come across naturally. Absolutely. What I can say is I'm really clear about who I am. I'm only, well, Compared to most horse professionals, I'm young at 31, almost 32 years old. I feel like I've lived on this planet before, and even during this lifetime, it feels like I've had three or four lifetimes. But I'm really clear about who I am, and I know who I am. I've got a really clear internal compass, and I apply this to all aspects of my life, whether it's personal or professional, and it enables me to really navigate a variety of scenarios and this isn't something I was necessarily born with it was something I learned and developed from some really wonderful mentors of mine who helped me develop that so that would be a little bit more of a personal answer yeah well and it mm. bodes well in our podcast because I think that we all have mentors that show up in our life including the mm. animals in our lives and mm. having the awareness at such a young age because I'm older than you having the awareness in your 30s that you are clear who you are that doesn't always happen at that age <laughs> that yeah I've been told that that's doesn't. not normal and yeah. I'm coming to accept that that's not normal when I say that I know who I am this does not in any way insinuate that I think I know everything it really no. doesn't it no. just means that I know who I am Knowing who you are also means that you know what you don't know. The question I ask myself all the time is, what do I not know that I don't know yet? Where is my point of ignorance? It's something my dad sort of really taught me to do. And that's an essential part of knowing who you are, I guess, is being aware of your ignorance and, if possible, releasing yourself from it as quickly as you can. Yeah, it's true. And a lot of people, we all need that as a little tiny reminder because we are in different conversations than possibly we've had in the past and realizing that nobody knows everything on planet right. Earth 
is a softening of a conversation, I think, as opposed to being in a perspective of there's rigidity. Yeah, an opinion and that opinion is yeah. is an opinion that is either seen by many or a few or whatever the situation is, but the the operating from the lens of what is my ignorance is uh, uh, very timely and interesting timely i mean that's that's been timely for <laughs> centuries because <laughs> um, uh, i don't think where we are right now is actually product of just the times we're in i think it's a thing that has existed throughout the ages so right thank your dad for me because nobody has talked about that perspective on our podcast before and it just opens the conversation up to questions more than conclusions Yes. My dad, he's self-employed and he's a lobbyist, so his whole job is about asking the right questions. But at university, he studied philosophy quite extensively. So I guess I lucked out there in the dad department and the mum department. My mum's pretty fierce as well. So are they still in Australia? Mum and dad are in Australia. My mum is actually with me here at the moment. She's one of the first people who's been among the first to be able to travel outside of Australia since the pandemic. So she's, as soon as she could, she got on a flight. She's come up to visit in Spain. But yeah, my whole family's still in Australia. Oh, wow. Lovely. So technology is your friend. Absolutely. Without technology, yeah. I don't know what I'd, what I'd be able to do without the technologies that are at our fingertips. Now, social media is a wonderful thing. And if I can digress naturally here, there's, there's something I, I see a lot amongst all generations at the moment. They say things like online world is not real life. What happens online isn't real. And that's actually fundamentally false. I mean, studies of the brain have showed us that whether you imagine an experience or you do the experience, the brain processes it in exactly the same way. And actually, these interactions we have online are real. And the attitude of thinking, well, it's online, so it's not real life, it doesn't count, that's what's given rise to the social media troll and that negativity you see online because people think they can get away with it. They think that morality doesn't serve us when it comes to online interactions. But, you know, my business is 99% conducted online, not just because the, the pandemic forced it to, but because there is no local community anywhere on the planet in which a business entitled emotional horsemanship could thrive and function. There are lots of people out there interested in what I'm doing and what I can do for them and with them, but they are all fringe dwellers out there in the countryside on their own. They're usually outsiders or they've got a couple of friends like them. And we are able to find a global community in an online space. And so I take that seriously. And what happens online is real life. And the people I work with and the people I've met through online like yourself, I take that as the same quality interaction as I would as if you were standing in front of me. It just got a different feel to it, maybe a different flavor when you meet someone in person. But true, heartfelt and genuine interactions online are absolutely normal and valid in this day and age. I'm with you. My business is all online too. And it 
There we go. I find personally that it's made my my ability to see way better than mm. if I'm distracted by the physical body. Um, right. And it, that sounds strange to a lot of people, but to me, everything is energy and it's all connected and it doesn't matter whether you're three feet away from me or in Spain, there is the ability to sense and connect and know and, you know, do that in a respectful way that is creating safety and awareness and all those things that are Absolutely. so important to create that connection that is genuine, yes. like you say. So, yes. yeah, it's beautiful. And I think the world actually is recognizing that because families and friends and all those connections have been able to be maintained through technology. And so yes. nothing yes. is 100% evil, nothing is 100% good. Mm. You know, the yin-yang symbols have black and white in them and proportions yes. and all that kind of thing. So it it is interesting to because I work with the fringe too probably more than more than the the full on mainstream 98% yeah but it is Listen, the mainstream is a terrifying place my goodness if you have ever waded out into mainstream waters of the equestrian world it is wild what is done to horses to horse people in the mainstream equestrian community it is wild i walk out there and to the mainstream equestrian community, and they look at me and tell me I'm crazy. Mm -hmm. But I feel like the only sane person in the room. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you all are out of your mind. You want to piss off and abuse a 600-kilogram flight animal with rocks for feet and then get on their back? Are you okay? Is everything okay? Like, have you really logically thought this through? And they call me crazy for talking about consent and safety and slow and you know not using pain to control animals i'm just like yeah i'm not reinventing the wheel here mm -hmm. i'm just sort of saying what a lot of people have been saying for thousands of years maybe in a slightly different way but yeah the mainstream equestrian community is wild and as soon as i went out there i went oh i need to protect myself from this garbage so I'm going to make sure I have a curated community that I pay attention to what's going on in the mainstream, but I don't get involved at all. It would just be too hard for me. Mm -hmm. Too hard for me. I tried. It's too hard. It, and yeah. that is equatable to, you know, the schoolyard somewhat. And yes, <laughs> the, uh, for anybody. Cool kids. Yeah. For, <laughs> Right. Yeah, corporate world, you yeah. know, big sharks and all the rest of it. So, yes. Anybody it's and the same human paradigm played out across a multitude of different fields, whether it's with mm. horses or whether you're working a nine to five in an office, there will be a group of people who call themselves the haves, a group of people who call themselves the have nots. Mm. And it's a dichotomy that plays out a thousand different ways in so many different spheres but it is part of the human condition and that comes back to being true to you and finding yeah. your tribe and finding your community and yeah it, you know the job isn't to convince anybody that one situation is right or wrong but there are some situations that common sense like dealing with this 600 kilogram animal with rocks for feet right <laughs> yeah. well there's there's something i came i sort of came across I think I'm trying to make a virtue of necessity here. 
But I realized pretty early on that if I was waiting to find a tribe, I was never going to do anything with my life because if I was waiting to find a tribe in order to find permission to follow my instincts and follow that gut feeling and follow the little stage directions from the universe, you know, when the universe whispers at you and kind of says, hey, a little to the left, Ooh, a little to the right, Ooh, nope, don't go there come here, right? You've got to listen to those things. And some folks, not everyone, some folks feel that they shouldn't or can't follow those hints in life unless they've got a tribe behind them that says, oh yeah, we do that too. Come with us. And I realized I was never going to get anything done with my life if that was what I was going to do. And if I was constantly seeking external reinforcement. So I really sort of dove into personal autonomy practices and self-awareness practices and really said, I've got to be my own best friend. I've got to be my own cheerleader. I've got to be my own motivator. And because I'm the only person I'm going to be able to rely on here for quite a long time. Now, I'm really happy to report that that's slowly changing and I am starting to find myself amongst kin around people who see eye to eye and I am finding a tribe, but it's not coming from anything else except knowing who I am. From knowing who I am, then I can find the people that are right for me. But if we're looking to find our tribe, but we're looking for that tribe to define us before we have to find ourselves, I think that's dangerous territory. And oh. I would counsel against it. A hundred percent. I tell people who come out of relationships, they need to date themselves for a year in order oh, to yeah. not attract the same person that they just left. So right. yes, yeah, same idea. Once you're like, hey, I did that. I love myself. This is who I am. I say, be a gopher and stick your head up and say, hello. Right. <laughs> hello? That's a great analogy. I love that one. You know, and and just put yourself out into the world as the frequency of who you are. And and then yes. more will find you who have done the same. You know, you don't want to, if you don't, I mean, and nobody's 100% fixed ever until we die. And then we right. become perfect right. again. And I love how you put that about how, you know, being your own motivator, being like building autonomy mm. in order to go out into the world. Because... It, it is a really great um, philosophy, <laughs> really great. Yeah, philosophy. it's like you if you want to go like sail on a on a on like a lake or a body of water. If you want to go sailing on a body of water, you don't get in like a bad ship, a leaky ship. You want a really good, strong ship. So when I go out there in the world, I got to make sure that who I am in my mind, in my body, in my relationship to myself, in my knowledge of my past, of who I am, I got to make sure that I am ship shape when I go out there because it is rough waters out there at the moment. I mean, I don't know about you, Heather, but have you been out in the world recently? It's yeah. wild out there. It's pretty wild. Oh my God. Yeah. I picked up National Geographic yesterday for the first time in about two years and it was like a summary of 2021 and I just sort of went, Hmm, I think I'm just going to put this magazine back down again. I'm like, I'm really glad I've been stuck under a little rock in Andalusia for the last year because I thought, holy cow, it's rough out there at the moment. You've got to be like sure in yourself to go out there and navigate it at the moment because it's hard enough as it is without adding to it personal insecurity. It's hard enough. Yeah. Well, and I think one of the blessings is people have been put into their houses 
and that makes them yes. stare at themselves. And <laughs> all those, yeah, we all had that. We, we all, all had, had a bit of that. Yeah. Well, yeah. maybe not the whole planet, but a lot of us did. We're we're in the cocoon, butterfly, gooey stage, possibly. Mm, yes, I mm. like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit, Lockie. Can you tell it. us how intuition comes to you? Mm. How does intuition show up for me? Obviously, but I'll say what everyone probably says. It comes as a gut feeling for me. So I can see feeling and feel what I'm seeing. In neuro-linguistic programming, they would call me visual kinesthetic, and I'm equal parts visual kinesthetic. I'm not auditory digital, right? Mm -hmm. But it really comes up to me as a gut feeling. It's sort of like you look at something and you go, um, or you walk into a room and you go, hmm? what just happened in this room before I walked in? Like when you know people have been talking about you just before you, you, you like walk into the room, it's sort of this, um, I guess it's a form of hypervigilance really that has been developed over years of working in various different environments and just being really aware of your environment. That's one way intuition shows up. And that's usually what helps me navigate the here and now. But in the bigger sense of the word, um, Oh, I'm going to be really annoying. And I'm going to say I've always just followed what my heart told me to do, that I think I came out of my mum and said, this is who I am and this is where I'm going. When I was five years old, I turned around to my parents and said, I want to do dance lessons, completely unprovoked and uninspired. They never took me to a dance performance. I'd never seen it on television. I didn't have books about it. Totally unprovoked and out of the blue, like a bolt of lightning from a blue sky. I decided I wanted to become a dancer at the age of five. And six months later, I'm continuing to ask my parents, when are you taking me to dance lessons? And they said, oh, crap, he's, he's serious. So I've always been someone that knows what I want and I just go after it and I don't look for permission to follow it. I think if I stopped to ask permission more often, I think that would disturb my sense of intuition because, again, it's about that knowing yourself. It's about having that internal compass. And on a really selfish and childish level, it's like, well, I don't like that, so I'm not going to do it. I'm not good at it, so I'm not going to do it unless I have to. I don't have an aptitude or a sense for this thing, so I'm not going to waste my energies trying to make a square peg fit around whole. That would be another way intuition shows up for me. I also have a weird thing that anytime I get deja vu about a memory, so I'll go through my day and then I'll be reflecting on my day about what happened three hours ago and I'll have really strong deja vu about that, how that memory has formed in my visual brain, what it looks like, what that memory looks like in my brain. And I go, oh, my God, I've seen that before. Anytime I have deja vu, I know I'm on the right track in my life. Mm. And if I go long periods of my life without deja vu, then I think "Mm, I'm either stuck, I'm being held back. And when I find myself having an episode of deja vu, I go, I relax. I go, okay, great. I'm on the right track again. And I don't know where that comes from. It's just, yeah, maybe a little superstitious thing I've developed. That's another way Mm. intuition shows up for me. And another thing is just that emotional awareness aspect. When it comes down to my work, like working with horses, 
The thing that really interests me about horses is, let me give an example. When you're riding a horse at a walk and you can feel that the horse has asked you nicely, can we trot now? Can I trot now? And you just say in plain English, yes, go on. And you don't put leg on. You don't do the the traditional, you know, or giddy up or whatever voice cue. You don't do the specific voice cue they've been trained for. You've just felt them through their movement and through their expression and through tiny subtle shifts in their movement expression, their emotional awareness. You feel these tiny subtle kinesthetic somatic emotional shifts almost imperceptible to the naked eye. You can't, because I've filmed myself when this has happened to me, and you, it's very hard to actually see it happen. But when you're on the horse, the physical somatic feeling is so overwhelmingly and abundantly clear to me. The horse asks for a trot, and I just say in plain English, yes, go on, and they trot. And people say, oh, it's that mind-reading moment. Well, they're not reading my mind, and I'm not reading their mind. I just think that's the language horses speak, and it's the language all animals speak. But unlike most animals, human beings with our heavy prefrontal cortex, our abstract human brain, which is only maximum 4 million years old, and the rest of our brain is minimum 150 million years old, (laughs) we've got this very immature brain that overrides our ancient intelligence and says no don't listen to that feeling no 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 that's an old ancient primitive feeling no we are human beings we are we are better than the animals no we are supposed to be clever so you become clever about your intuition and that's when it all goes to shit so (laughs) i really tried to ride my horses from a sense of feel or what is basically instinct or intuition i can intuitively sense I've been in situations where I've asked for trot and the horse has said, I would like to trot, but I can't. And then my job is then to discover why they can't. Are they not fit enough? Is the footing too rough? Am I not balanced? Is there too much going on in the environment? Like this, this like feel and intuition, it can become like a really sophisticated language. And I think it is the quote, original language of all animals. And human beings have just sort of evolved past it into something very clever and very mechanical in the form of spoken language and abstract thought. But I really try to tune into that animalistic part of my brain as much as I can. So that's another way, I guess, intuition would show up for me. And really, that's that's where it shows up. So nobody has actually done the deja vu before. And I think that is a beautiful mm. way to know whether you're on the right track again. So that's very cool. In actually listening in the intuitive sense to a horse when you're riding them, we can get the, that sense and feedback all the time from our environment if we... If we tune in that way. And I don't know. If we can tune in. Yeah. Yeah. You, you almost have to just shut up the frontal cords. Like, you got to just. You do. You do. You have to stop being clever, or you have to have a really good relationship with your body. And that's where my past experiences with dance has informed me. But you don't have to be a former professional dancer to do this. If you've got breath in your body, You can work this way with horses or even with people. Children are perfect examples of being united with their body and truly authentic and connecting with all of these things. 
it's just when you start going through puberty, you come out the other end and you're like, oh my God, I've got a vastly different brain. And then you sort of spend the rest of your life trying to go back to that childlike uh, instinctive intelligence. But I have to be really clear that living your life every day, all day, through that part of your brain can be really difficult. And there are certainly times like I couldn't run a podcast interview or join a podcast interview if I was that way, we wouldn't get anywhere. I have to turn on my clever brain and just communicate verbally, right? But when I communicate verbally or when I write posts on my social media that people respond to, I'm just using a specific part of my human brain to describe what is a very animalistic and ancient experience in my body that has no words. But I have been given the ability to describe that through words. And then also develop training techniques which enable people to get into that place with their animals and with themselves as well when they desire to be there but you know what it can happen is when i come home from you know the paddock from the horses my partner will say to me something and i find myself responding but without words i think i've responded to him but i actually haven't said anything verbal and i almost have to like click myself out of it and be like, oh, use your brain, use your brain, use your words, because I get so stuck in that intuitive, instinctive, feel-based brain that when I come inside, it's it's difficult for me to make a shift over. So that's where I really enjoy doing the online coaching I do with, with horse owners, because that's like my tool to shift my brain over into that other part and give the feel and intuition part a rest because you have to rest your intuition as well, the same way you have to rest your cleverness sometimes. But most of what I do is teaching people to rest their cleverness. And every now and then, I will come across a wonderful horse person that is so deep in their intuition and their feel that they have totally lost the trees for the forest. And I have to show them how to come back to their brain, to their logic and disconnect from their feel and rest it for a little bit because it can be overwhelming as well. Mm -hmm. I, th I think I've been mm. on that threshold a few times, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In my experience, it's like, oh, yeah, that was just common sense what you said. That's right, sure, yeah, mm -hmm. I got it. Right, right, and everyone, if you're the, it's like that classical sense of, you know, someone who's got their head in the clouds. Everyone who has their head in the clouds, if you are that kind of person, no, no shame in that, no. if you're that kind of person, You've got to have that friend in your life that you call for a reality check and that person just says, okay, this is what it is. Same thing, if you're someone who's like really fixated and very conclusion-driven and very clever, you need someone who can just be like, whoa, whoa, come home to your body for a second. So it's about finding that balance, isn't 100%. it? 100%, yeah. And it, it, it's wonderful when you can get to that balance of like, okay, well, this is just – this, this has its place and this has its place and and they can yes. work together totally. Yes. Both yeah. can be true at the same time. Yes. That's something I see a lot and I would like to see more people adopt. The awareness that two contrasting truths, two contrasting even contrary concepts and ideas and realities can coexist at the same time. Both things can be true. For example, a really... This thing can be confusing and really clear at the same time. Both things can be true. That's that's a, a mental a mental skill I'd love to see more widely adopted. Yeah. If I'm being frank. 
Yes, yes. My friend and I had an experience with the sauna in her backyard and the person in the next driveway over was shoveling snow and we're like not dressed for shoveling snow and he's dressed like, you know, coat, hat, scarf, mittens. And we're like, oh, this is a perfect example that two realities can exist in the same presence (laughs) i love it that's so cool that's a funny picture (laughs) yeah it was it was really funny we were like okay this is not you know we're we're going into the snow to get cold and both things can be true yeah yeah 100 percent well listen lucky this has been lovely thank you so much for sharing so much time with us today and all your beautiful insight insights about the balance of the clever brain and the you know ancient wisdom brain so well it's been my pleasure what a lovely way to spend a a monday evening as far as i'm concerned yes well perhaps we'll do it again i'd love to anytime all right thanks so much my pleasure thank you so much for giving us your time today We truly appreciate our guests for sharing their stories and insights about how intuition has impacted their lives. And I'm so grateful for Peter Trainer for his time in giving me this original music. It's now your turn. It's your turn to listen and act on your own intuition and help make the world a better place. Until next time, keep seeing, being, knowing, and doing. If you like this podcast, please share it. If you want to find others like it, go to www.healingvitality.ca or wherever you would find your podcasts. We would love to have you join us on this journey. Come be a crow sitting in the tree. Be part of our community.